everybody. Welcome to Dig Deep. So our message time this morning is going to be a little bit different. I am so excited to have Stacia Hajibu with me this morning. We are going to have a conversation this morning instead of a solo message. The verses that we are covering today are verses 11 and 12 from Romans 12. So we're going to read those really quick. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And I'll be honest with you, as I was preparing for this semester and reading through Romans 12, these two verses did not really stick out to me in particular. They seemed almost kind of random. They're both very short and to the point. And in the last couple weeks and months, I've realized these verses pack a lot of punch. They carry a lot of weight. And in preparing for today, I um, am so grateful to have Stacia here to speak to these verses because Stacia came into my life. I've known Stacia for, I've known who you are for a really long time, most of my life. But Stacia came into my life in a pretty important way just over a year ago when I was going through a leadership development program here at Grace and we were asked to find a mentor to mentor us through that program. And someone suggested Stacia's name. And I thought, yeah, I, I know who Stacia is. And interestingly enough, we had been at two social functions in the last you know, month or two before making this decision and had briefly connected. And I thought, okay, sure, I'll, yeah, I'll ask her. I don't know her very well, but I'll ask her. And that decision to ask her and your willingness to agree to do that was really, really instrumental in my life. I had no idea how much I needed this woman's voice in particular. Uh, she has brought wisdom and encouragement in ways that I didn't even know that I needed. And so as I look at these two verses, I got to tell you guys, Stacia is the perfect person to address what we need to talk about today. No pressure, though. Yeah, I really hope this is not a letdown for you guys. <laughs> no, please. So will you guys just join me in welcoming Stacia really quick? It's very sweet, Jess. <laughs> so here's what I want us to consider today. How do we keep moving forward when life gets really, really hard? Because these verses say, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. But there have been times in my life, and especially in the last three years of life, where I have been lacking in zeal, and I have felt like I have lost my spiritual fervor, and I've struggled to keep moving, keep serving the Lord. So Stacia, how have you experienced both being joyful in hope and patient in affliction in your life? Um, hi, everybody. Good morning. Um, just as we're sitting here talking, I'm looking at the verse sitting on the uh, stand here. And joyful, being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I think it, this, it's fascinating to me. Joyful, patient, and faithful are all fruits of the Spirit. Mm. And so I just think about um, wow. as we're keeping in step with the Spirit and growing in those fruits. But... Um, wow. In talking about um, being patient in affliction and joyful in hope, um, I guess um, I would just tell you a little bit about my experience. Um, I struggle with this question because it means I have to talk about myself mm -hmm. and um, just some of the different things that we have faced, uh, my husband and I have faced in our marriage. And um, there have been some awesome 
times of blessing and favor, and there have been some um, real struggles, grief, and sorrow. And when I speak about those, I um, I fear sounding like I'm grumbling and complaining, but I think it's just important to as a, a context or backdrop of what we're going to be talking about today. So um, I've been married um, to this really cute Indian guy you've probably seen running around <laughs> named Ananta um, for 25 years last month, and we've been going here to Grace for 24. And um, we have, um, it's been wedded bliss for the entire 25 years, no marital struggles at all whatsoever. <laughs> um, and we have three awesome children, Jacob, he's 20, and Samuel is 18, and Grace is 14, and they're perfect. And um, we don't ever experience any um, parenting struggles with them either. Um, and you guys know that I'm kidding. Our, our marriage has been marked with some difficulties and our parenting journey. We always say parenting is not for sissies. It's not for the faint of heart because it really has brought some um, struggle and sorrow into our, um, and if my kids are listening to this, it, it's not you guys, <laughs> but um, there's two different categories, I think, um, when I think about pain and affliction in our life together, Ananta and I, um, there are these single events like um, we've experienced an unexpected sudden death of a loved one. We've experienced a long agonizing sitting at the bedside and um, watching the brutality of cancer death of a dear loved one. We have experienced um, death by suicide in a, um, our, one of my, my husband's very best friend, the best man in our wedding. Um, and it was, it was brutal. And so um, I think affliction can come in, in events like that, but also um, part of our experience has been this long, sustained, chronic uh, stress of living um, daily with disability. So uh, when my second son, Samuel, was four months old, some things just, um, weren't looking right at his appointments with his, his well visits with his doctor. And at four months, uh, his head was measuring pretty large. And the doctor said, um, I want you to, instead of waiting for a six month visit, I want you to come back in two weeks. And we came back in two weeks. His head had grown two centimeters in two weeks. And she thought he had hydrocephalus. So long story short, we got in for an MRI that day. He did not have hydrocephalus. And it took us five months. But we landed in a geneticist office at Hopkins. And she told us that he had a rare genetic disorder called Soto syndrome. So it was not uh, disability wasn't in our plan. And we're trying to you know, embrace it. Um, but in those early days, it was very hard. Uh, he didn't walk till he was three. He, we did eight-hour days of PT for, for several years. Um, and at, this, at that time, our other kids needed attention as well, and so it was a struggle. Um, mm -hmm. When he was five, we were told that he did not have Soto syndrome. And so we were kind of starting back at square one. Um, and parenting, I don't know I, if you ever feel like this, Jess, but uh, as a mother, I think there's no... It's hard to know how you're doing at the job, mm, yes. you know, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there's not like uh, uh, this con this great feedback that you get from a boss or, right. you know, are you making the mark or whatever. But yeah. I think it's, I think even more so in raising a child with disabilities because they're not hitting their milestones. So you don't, you don't at least have that mm. to see, you know, and is, am I doing everything I can to help yeah. this kid? Um, so disability for us has included severe GI disease, where, uh, which, which was just messy. I'll just leave it at that. Um, he had scoliosis, 
his curve was greater than 100 degrees. And so it actually would begin to put pressure on his lungs and would compromise his breathing. We had him in the ER several times mm -hmm. um, trying to help him with that. Countless hours in the hospital. He's been under general anesthesia 21 times. Significant communication, behavior challenges, um, agonizing moments of, um, so, he, so he's 18 today. He's six foot one today. Um, but he still doesn't have a way to communicate. And so if you think about holding a newborn baby and trying to discern what it is that they need, it's just, it's uh, behavior, his behavior is his communication. And in a six foot one um, boy, it, it gets pretty challenging sometimes. There's um, expensive moments. Um, disability has been expensive for our family. Um, and it's been lonely. There have been very lonely moments. So. Mm. We can't always necessarily do the things, same things that families do, vacations, you know, whatever. I, now I feel like I'm going on to that grumbling area. But <laughs> let me just say this. So in talking about um, joy and hope and patience and affliction, um, I, I, I couldn't do it without Jesus. Like uh, a relationship with Jesus and, and that hope of resurrection and looking forward to that day, yeah. resurrecting as he did, mm. um, is what allows us to keep going and allows us to say or remain, I guess, um, sorrowful. There's a, a verse that, Jesus, that Paul talks about as being sorrowful, but always rejoicing. Yeah. And I, after years, and, and it, uh, please don't hear trite platitudes that didn't come in the first 10 years of this challenge, but, but at, as we stand at 18 years, um, I would say that, that that's, our, that, that's what characterizes our family, like sorrowful, but always rejoicing. Wow. So does that make sense? Did it does. It does. It's, it's amazing. So. so then the last part is the faithful and prayer part. And this is something that I really respect about you, Stacia, that even in the midst of times of affliction or suffering or a lot of pain, you have developed a really um, faithful prayer life. And so how, how would you speak to this idea of being faithful in prayer through all of it? Why, why is prayer so important? How has it been important in your relationship with God as you've walked through those things? I just, I think that it's important to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. And um, prayer is the lifeline to do that, I think. Um, I think it's easy to put these, re like, just weigh ourselves down with these ideas of what the perfect prayer life yeah. should look like. And prayer for me has looked like um, my face down in the carpet, uh, my fists up in the air, crying and screaming. Um, it's looked like um, not being able to walk from one room in my home to the other without buckling a little bit, so I would have to have these um, verses written out on, scripture verses written out on a on piece of paper, and like, I would have to pull them out of my pocket just to like take one step in front of the other. I, mm. I consider that prayer, yeah. you know. Um, and then it's also, you know, spending time, like building that rhythm into, I don't, I don't know how, what it looks like today is when I, when the alarm goes off in the morning, I literally, and I'll tell you how I got there in a second, but I just swing my legs over the side of the bed onto my knees and ask for the grace just to get through the next one hour, you know, because yeah. our, our mornings are kind of intense. But um, but then also just that rhythm of like coming to him, meeting him in the scriptures and, mm -hmm. and praying. Um, 
for me, it's been a huge lifeline because it was in prayer and in specifically prayer in affliction where I finally met Jesus as a person. Mm. For I think much of my walk, I only saw him as deity mm. and I didn't really... Um, I knew, he, you know, you know that he was fully God and fully man, but I, I never really paid much attention to fully man. And mm. it was through prayer and through prayer and affliction that um, I began to meet with him and actually hear him talking. Yeah. And when I would say, listen, uh, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death, he would say, yeah, I too right. have been overwhelmed like that. And, you know, I've prayed this and this and I'm not getting an answer and I, too, know what it feels like to pray a prayer and hear silence, you know. And so um, it was, I think, I guess just beginning to look at him as a person. And then you can be begin to feel him, like, walking beside you. So um, mm -hmm. when I think about the role that prayer has played, it's taught me a lot about myself and it's taught me a lot mm -hmm. about God. Um, th there's, I think, about unanswered prayer, about answered prayer and about listening prayer. So mm, yeah, talk about those. I love the way you talk about this. Yeah. Um, so unanswered prayer um, has taught me about God's faithfulness. Mm. And, um, and by the way, I really don't think that there's really unanswered prayer. I think it's all answered, but it just seems like a no to me or, yeah. or unanswered or, 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 want, or right. silent. Yeah. yeah. But and it seems counterintuitive to say that unanswered prayer would demonstrate God's faithfulness to me. But, um, and I'll just give you an example. Um, Samuel's, our, our child with the challenges, his older brother Jacob, for his early childhood years, really mourned um, the loss of a brother who could play football with him, for yeah. example. Right. And um, one of the prayers we prayed for a long time, we're actually beginning to renew this prayer, is for Samuel to speak and to have some kind of um, ability to communicate. And um, we've, we've prayed for years, and, and Samuel's still not talking. Um, and one day Jacob came to me and said, you know, he asked me, why do we pray all the time? And Samuel's not talking. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Thankfully, by that point, I had come to, I, I had wrestled with that question enough um, that I genuinely believe that there is only one reason, one reason why God does not answer prayers the way that we are asking him. And it's only because he has a better yes. Mm. He has, if his answer is no, if I, like, no, Samuel's not speaking, there is a better something around it's only he's so gracious he doesn't withhold any good gift from us yeah. so um that came about wow in my prayer answered prayer um just an example of that and we were talking about this the other day just it 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 doesn't usually look like what you thought it was going to look right? like it doesn't <laughs> and it prayer. doesn't always come in the time that you thought it was going to come and yeah. um i just think back to um when I was younger, I had only had Jacob. Samuel wasn't around yet, and I had um, been coming to a women's Bible study here at Grace called Connections. And I had come home from Connections one morning, and um, something in that discussion, I had just felt really convicted and um, really about pretense and trying to make my relationship with God out to be something that it wasn't yet. Mm. 
And um, I found myself on my knees when I came home that day, and I said, man, I, I want to have a kind of relationship with you where I can't take a step without you. Mm. Like, um, I, just, I just want, I, I, but I'm not there yet. Like, I, mm. I'm perfectly fine just running my life, you know. And um, I didn't know it, but I was pregnant with Samuel that day that I uh, mm. had prayed that prayer. And when I pray that prayer now, I also add, please be gentle, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, um, you know, it's been a, so I, uh, he's, he's answered that prayer. Like, I don't, I don't like to, I, that's where the getting on my knees first thing in the morning, like, I don't, um, yeah, I can't do it without him. Mm. Um, and then listening prayer. Yeah, so listening prayer, prayer um, this is just something that happened, and I don't, I, I don't hear audible voices from God, you know, but, um, this is just something that happened in the midst of real struggle was as um, Samuel was going through this really severe um, erosive gas, gastrointestinal disease. Um, this might be too much for 7.15 in the morning, but uh, we would put him to bed at night. So it was characterized during the day by this chronic, explosive, multiple times a day diarrhea. So that's his, he just had a lot of stuff going on with his um, stomach. Actually, his stomach lining was, was kind of, when he, when he would go to the, when he would have a, a stool, it would, it looked like wet sand. Like it mm. was just, it was just really bizarre. And no, none of the doctors could figure out what was going on. And, but, but nighttime was worse because we would put him to bed and it's like when he relaxed, it just, it, it, he was, he just, it just let everything out. So almost every morning for six months when we would go up to get him and wake him up for the day, um, it was just like a bomb had gone off in his room and it would be, he would have stuff in his hair and on his face and all over his butt, in the sheets, on the walls, you know, it was just, it was so hard to... Uh, to, to manage sometimes, yeah. and but we got we got a good system working. So Ananta would grab Sam and take him down and get him all cleaned up, taking the and I would spend time gathering up the sheets and cleaning out the carpet and you know doing whatever, and uh, getting ready for the next day. And one morning I I just couldn't even. This is where the getting on my knees in the morning. Like I I just can't do it today. I don't I don't I don't want to do it. And I, we went into his room and there was a mess and. Um, Ananta took Sam out, and I was cleaning up, and I was in the carpet and um, trying to clean it up. And I was just in tears, and I said, I, I don't know. You say in Scripture that I should count it all joy when I face trials of many kinds, but I don't get it. Like, I don't see joy here in this place. And uh, I, as I was, I, I just... It, he didn't speak from above, you know, it wasn't this mystical thing, but it was like right here, I heard this, uh, keep going. And uh, I was like, uh, I get a word from the Lord, and he's telling me, keep going, you know, like, <laughs> I'm cleaning poop out of my floor, you know. Mm. And, and then it was like right after, because it's like he knew that thought that was in my mind, I got this, um, no, dear, sweet girl keep going in that passage. Mm. And it says, uh, 
Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you want to be mature and complete? Not get, no. Okay. You know, and, and all of a sudden it was like I just got a word and I'm yeah. just gonna I'm just gonna clean. And so that it was like that was my first introduction into like trying to actually listen for him. Yeah. You know, I think we go through uh, this checklist, I've got to get my quiet time done, I gotta read through the scripture and then do the devotional or whatever, and we never just just do you ever just open up the word and just sit and just just let him speak to you. So anyway, that that's Unanswered prayer, answered prayer, and I love it. I mean, guys, how amazing is this woman? I this is what we're about here. You say that might be too much for 715, but you know what? Life is like that, isn't it? Life is messy and it's painful. I remember this really stupid song that went around when I was a kid growing up in the church. Did you guys hear this song? I'm in right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time. <laughs> I hate that song. And I, I try not to use the word hate lightly. When Jesus came, Christ came in and cleansed my heart of sin, now I'm in right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time. That was a song. Someone wrote that. They should be, anyway. I never got that one. Good, good. <laughs> it should be banned now. There were hand motions and everything. I know I see the table, Rhonda's table back there is doing the hand motions. And it's just not, it's just not true. You know, and like you said, Stacia, Jesus himself prayed in agony. He prayed in his affliction. He cried out to God. And that's what life is like sometimes. That's what these verses are talking about. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And so then let's go back to verse 11, Stacia. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And you said... God really spoke to you during that time saying, keep going. And you did keep going. And I get to benefit from all of the maturity and wisdom that he has filled you with that now you are blessing not just me with, but all of us with. How do we do that when we do feel like we are lacking in zeal, that it's too much, it's too hard? Even taking the next step is just too painful. What do we do? I, I don't know about you guys, and Jess and I have had conversations about this, but I uh, tend to be a very all-or-nothing person. Um, and so if my spiritual life can't look like this, then I'm just in the tank. Give up, you yeah. Know? Yeah. And so I think the first thing we need to do is really pull back, get some perspective, and say every morning that you get up, you're still in the game. Like, if you, even if you choose not to get up, but you are still crying out, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just not growing cold and growing indifferent, but um, just taking that one step. So, I mean, some, some very practical things. Uh, number one, I would say, your enemy wants you to be isolated. So you make sure you are around believers yeah. as much as you can be, you know, if you're walking through a season like that. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying don't spend time with non-believers, but we have to make it a priority to spur and to be spurred on yeah. by one another because I, we, I don't know why we think it's going to be such a cakewalk. It, it's only um, um, compared to really hard sporting events and war. 
yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> our, our spiritual life. So why do we think that it's going to be, you know, easy? So, so being around others who are also in the battle yeah. um, and realizing that we are in a fight. Um, and Paul just got finished talking. The last several weeks we've been talking about the body of Christ, how he's given us different, different gifts, how we need each other, how we should be unified. And so I don't think it's a mistake that he goes right from that into talking about this, because like you said, we need each other oh, in this fight. Can't do it by ourselves. Yeah. 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 And, and I think, um, lots of bad things can happen when we pull away and we isolate ourselves. It's just, right. um, bad. I would say, um, recognize we have an enemy, but focus on the sovereignty of God. Mm. And the thing that's become really clear to me, I think everybody, if you're, if you're reading scripture, we know that there's an adversary. I think people are afraid to talk about spiritual warfare a little bit, mm. but, um, and I don't think we need to, to necessarily harp on it and go there all the time. But the thing I would say is that um, never does it say anywhere that he's going to let up, take his foot off the gas. Like we have to be aware that um, it's, we are told to be on guard and um, he has one goal and it is to steal, kill and destroy. And um, I, I think I just think that uh, he he doesn't let up. Now that could be really intimidating if we don't keep God's sovereignty as the focus, and um, understand that that we have a lot of resources at our disposal. Our heavenly Father um, yeah. has already won the battle, and when we pray, it moves things in the heavenly realms. And so yeah. um, he's already been defeated. So, but just being aware that we actually are in a fight. The third thing I would say is do a checkup from the neck up hmm. and um, just what are we putting in our minds? What are we reading? What are we listening to? Yeah. Um, our, the culture and our world is not proclaiming a message of affliction and to be joyful in that. Yeah. They are saying run from it at all costs. Mm -hmm. And so if we find ourselves sitting in that kind of conversation, um, we're going to be we're going to be bummed. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. Um, God's economy is so different. It's so upside down. So um, what am I putting in my mind? Uh, the voices that I'm listening to, which one's the loudest? I like to think about it like a balance, like a scale in the morning. Like I get up and I start filling my mind with truth. And as soon as you step out the door and you flip on the radio in the morning, you know, you, you could begin to start listening to messages that are not true. Right. And then you walk into the office and then you, you hear a couple more things. Unfortunately, maybe even walk into church and you might hear something, you know, hopefully not. But yeah. um, just constantly putting that up against the authority of Scripture is what I'm listening to, truth. Um, one of the things I experienced this um, past winter was crippling depression. Uh, from a series of things that had gone on in our life through losing people and um, and real um, struggle in our house. And um, I've always been taught and have always tried to practice, you take a thought captive and then you cover it with the truth. Like you kind of dismantle the lie or whatever. And that was just too defensive of a posture for me. Like I mm. just felt like I was always playing defense all the time. And yeah. so it sounds corny, but I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror and I offensively begin, I have a thing that I recite to myself and it's just like preaching to myself uh, truth, you know, I'm persuaded that neither height nor depth, you know, nothing's going to separate me from the love of God and um, I'm more than a conqueror and, you know, that kind of stuff. That's so. awesome. Um, 
And then the last one, this is my favorite. And what I'd probably do, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if you can do it too much, but just meditate often on the resurrection. Mm. I, I keep that picture of my son fully restored and my head on the darkest days. You know, just we, there is a new day coming. <laughs> we have a yeah. lot to look forward to. Mm. And um, so I just, I would say that. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Stacia. Yeah. So let's tie this all back into transformation because that's what we're talking about this um, semester. How does God use, and we've talked about this a little bit already, but how does God use these things to transform us to be more like his son, Jesus? How have you experienced that? And how do you think that works in our lives? <clears throat> there's, this, uh, there's this guy, he's a cop and a preacher in West Virginia. His name is Greg Lucas, and he has a son with severe autism. And I read a lot of his um, writings on struggling through the pervasiveness of disability. And he has a quote that says, the birth of great faith takes place in the delivery room of total desperation. Mm. Wow. And uh, that, so that's just kind of one more thing that I have, um, you know, yeah, I want great faith. So, uh, yeah. okay. So I don't, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I think it is partly a mystery, but we do have a lot. He gives us so many examples in scriptures of that transformation. Yeah. Um, I think specifically of Paul who goes from begging and pleading. I mean, I, I don't think we give it uh, the, enough weight when we read through that passage about Paul begging to have his thorn yeah. taken away. Um, but it's, I, I begged him. And then I begged him again, and then I begged him again, and he said no. Yeah. Um, and he went from begging to have that thorn taken away to, to boasting about it. Yeah. Um, because he said no, because my grace is going to be sufficient for you. So the grace that I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you all of myself that you need, mm -hmm. and I'm going to give it to you in the form that you need, at the time that you need, as much of it as you need. I'm going to give you myself. And that's, that satisfaction is going to get you through this uh, thorn or yeah. whatever. And so then I will boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Wow. So there's that transformation. Peter goes through this massive transformation where, um, in Jesus' ministry where Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer and I'm going to die. And Peter says, far be it from me, God, for that to, or Jesus, for that to ever happen to you. And do you guys remember what Jesus said to him? <laughs> Get behind me, Get Satan. behind me, Satan. Yeah, because you have on your mind the things of man, not the things of God. And um, because he didn't want to see Jesus suffer. Um, and then later in um, his letter, he's writing to the early church. He says, dear friends, in 1 Peter 4, 12, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when the glory is revealed. So, I mean, that's just two, but there's so many, you know. Yeah. I think of Joseph and Moses, like, maybe not necessarily massive transformations, but um, clear pictures of how God takes that, that our enemy uh, means for evil, and he uses it for good. Right. And sanctification. That's awesome. Well, Stacia, this has been awesome. As we close, I would love to hear from you just um, what words of encouragement you would give to somebody who is listening, who is in a season of affliction right now and feeling like taking the next step is just 
too hard. What would you say to encourage somebody as we close? Um, I, I know that there are so many, like there are brutal things going on um, right now inside and outside of the church. Um, so I don't take that question lightly, you know. Um, but to, kind of, to summarize, I think what we've talked about, I, I would just reiterate a couple. One is I would, I would run to Jesus in prayer. Mm-hmm. And I would keep doing it until you, you feel it, this personal, like he, he's with me in it, you know. Yeah. And that you, you understand that he understands. There, there isn't anyone else in the universe, not your husband, not your best friend, not your mom, who can understand more of what you're doing, going through than him. Yeah. Um, and he knows how you're wired. He knows, our, he knows we're dust, you know. Um, he knows our frame. But run to Jesus in prayer. I would say, um, I wrote these down, recognize our enemy, but focus on God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Surrender our doubt, because we doubt. Yeah. Surrender the doubt and ask for greater faith, and then focus, I would say, meditate often on the resurrection. And when I was thinking about mm. this, I just, um, I wanted to read this. It's, this is just um, Revelations 21 in the message form. Oh, okay. So yeah. this is what I would say to someone. I saw heaven and earth new created, Gone the first heaven, gone the first earth, gone the sea. I saw holy Jerusalem, new created, descending resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. I heard a voice of thunder from the throne. Look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone, crying gone, pain gone, all the first order of things are gone. The enthroned continued. Look, I'm making everything new. Write it all down. These words are trustworthy and true. That's good. Seisha, that's so, so powerful. Thank you. And I'm going to add one of my own to that question, and I'll just say, if you don't have one, get a Stacia in your life. Um, because God has given us to each other as the body of Christ. And if it's possible for you to find a woman who has walked more of the road than you have and endured in faith, find that woman and ask her to walk with you. I'm going to close with some prayer, and then we'll have some small group time. God, thank you so much for this morning. I do thank you for Stacia, for her for her incredible endurance, for the perseverance, for the faith that you have built in her life. I know, God, that you've used seasons of affliction to help build those things. Um, I thank you for her faithfulness that she has never let go of you, that you've never let go of her, and that we all get to benefit from that wisdom that she's gained through walking that hard road God, show us mercy. This life is messy, and it's really, really hard sometimes. We are grateful for the hope that we have in your son, Jesus, that the old way of things will pass away and that you are making all things new.
It's in your son Jesus that we place our hope, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.